Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Good morning. It is Friday, April 7th. It is five minutes after 10. You're listening to Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. We're glad you're here. You can join us on YouTube if you'd like. Just type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Let's talk about something that we said was going to happen is now looking like it's going to happen. Uh, A result of the indictment of Donald Trump, what's to stop DAs all over the country from investigating the Bidens? Good. Well, Representative James Comer, the guy from Kentucky, said that two county attorneys from Tennessee and one from Kentucky have asked him how they can, quote, go after the Bidens following Trump's indictment. Good, perfect. They should do this. They should do this all over the country. Every Republican prosecutor in the in the entire United States should be finding out ways to indict every single member of the Biden family. If this is the way we're going to, this is the problem with Republicans. They do not fight on the same terms under the same conditions that the Democrats do. And this is why we keep losing. And that is true not just inside the law. It's true inside the things like the ballot harvesting, the mass mail and unaccountable voting. If the courts are going to allow the stuff, then you got to do it. You can't fight it anymore until you've got a court that says you can't do it. You got to you got to just get engaged and get involved in the system. Same thing with the legal stuff. The Bidens and the Biden administration and these Democrat prosecutors have set the tone play by their rules. Mm -hmm. If that's what they're going to do, we can do it too. So have they opened up Pandora's box by doing this? Uh, Some people are asking for Biden to be investigated. Well, he already is into his uh, China bribery, also money laundering schemes. And what about those classified documents? You're not going to tell me of all the crap Biden's pulled over the years and of course his loser kid and all the evidence that's associated with that, that there's not something You can find if Donald Trump can get 34 counts over a non-disclosure agreement with an adult film star that that you can't find 34,000 things on the Bidens. (laughs) Let's go. Mm -hmm. So James Comer said that he had two calls yesterday, one from a county attorney in Kentucky and one from a county attorney in Tennessee. And is that just going to stretch all across the country? What about what about investigating now Nancy Pelosi and insider trading? Yeah, everyone. All of them should be in, in under investigation. And again, if you're going to go by the Democrat playbook, just make it up. Just make it up. That's what they're doing. And eventually you'll find something. It, absolutely. Just keep going. It's like and, if you go to the doctor's office and you, you know, the more they look, there's the potential they're going to find something wrong. Of course. Uh, just keep going. They have set the tone. They have made the rules. They have told us how the game is going to be played. We didn't do it. But it's no different than the ballot harvesting. It's no different than the mass mail and unaccountable voting. It's no different than the vote, the the, the ballot curing. Uh, so here is Comer saying that attorneys are now looking into how they can go after the Bidens. And I'll tell you one of the things that I don't think has been picked up a lot that, that's going to be a problem. And, and I had two calls yesterday, one from a county attorney in Kentucky and one from a county attorney in Tennessee. They they were Republican, obviously, that both states are heavily Republican. They want to know if there are ways they can go after the Bidens now. And they've opened up yep. a can of worms. They've set precedents now that we can't go back 
on. And now we're going to see a, a judicial system that's already bogged down with with doing what they're supposed to do, and that's going after real criminals, uh, people that are uh, committing real crimes, burglaries, rape, uh, robberies, things like that. And now you're going to start seeing ambitious political people like Alvin Bragg try to make a name for themselves and go after big pie-in-the-sky federal cases. Okay, right. And it's just not a good path that we need to, uh, to, to go forward on in our judiciary. And the biggest loser in all of this? The taxpayers. Sure. Because that's who will be paying for it. This whole thing is a disgrace and a joke. But again, if you want to survive as a country... And by a country, I mean if we want to get these Democrats out of there because that's the only way we're going to survive as a country, you have to play by the same rules that they play by. It, 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 look, and we talked about, again, let's bring it back to a local level because we hear people say this all the time, that we love, you guys do national, but you talk more local than any other talk show anywhere. In the state. In the state. Yeah. This is why conservatives are stabbed in the back by Republicans at the state house. Because you look at any time there's a trans issue or something, you know, dealing with sex, whatever, the left shows up in droves and they're screaming and the signs and the T-shirts and Republicans just look at them and go, well, we don't want to deal with that. And so most of the time they give in. Now, there are occasions, there are occasions, as we have seen, like with, uh, you know, this minors transitioning or uh, the, the thing we're teaching sex to kids in kindergarten that's so outlandish and there's enough media coverage that the Republicans can't run and dodge it. But for the most part, especially on the public education stuff, teachers unions in Indiana win all the time because they are loud, they're obnoxious, they're angry, you know, they're bitter, they bring signs, they bring T-shirts, and conservatives just sit home and go, why would you listen to them? Because our lawmakers are very, 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 very weak and generally unintelligent people. And so the same thing is going on here. The left is winning because they play by a different set of rules. Okay, well, then we need to start playing by those rules. It is 11 minutes after 10, and let's talk about Hunter Biden. Okay, he's set to resume selling paintings to, <laughs> quote, anonymous bidders. This is happening in New York City. And this is happening despite an ongoing investigation into his novice art sales. He's he's a novice painter. But he's getting $500,000 a painting or something like that, isn't he? Yeah. You know what's crazy about this? Okay, David Bowie. David yes. Bowie, musician, yes. rock legend, Very famous. right? Yes, absolutely. Before he passed away, he sold one of his paintings for $4. <laughs> and it recently sold at auction for 90000 right? Hunter Biden is selling his paintings for 500000 Who's this guy? Can you okay? Can you imagine if you had five hundred thousand dollars? Now I don't know, Casey. You're much more wealthy than I am, but let's just pretend you don't have five hundred thousand dollars laying around. Maybe you do, but for the purpose of this exercise, not in my pocket this morning. But thanks. Um, if you had five hundred thousand dollars at your disposal, would I buy a Hunter Biden painting? Where, where would between one and one million seven hundred thirty-three thousand nine hundred thirty-two would the priority of a Hunter Biden painting be on your list? You didn't go into the negatives. Oh, th- <laughs> that would be negative. Um, 
This is a joke. I mean, it's, it's it, again, anybody, but they do it, right? Mm-hmm. They do it and then they go, well, it's anonymous buyers. He has no idea who they are. Mm. Well, somebody is linking the buyer up with Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. It's not done through osmosis. It's not done through, what is that called? E- uh, ESP, is that mm-hmm. what it's called? Mm-hmm. Where you mentally, get, somebody's hooking them up. And you just think it's somebody that has no political ties to Hunter Biden or the Biden administration or whatever. I mean, come on. Okay, so the House Oversight Committee Chairman, James Comer, again, he said that he is 95% sure, 95% sure that the previous artwork that Hunter has sold found its way to China. Probably found its way to a trash can. But he got that money. And is he going to kick kick it back to the big guy? So this is our new scheme. Here's a here's a paint by numbers piece of art I did for you. <laughs> you can have it for the low low price of five hundred thousand dollars. Nothing to see here. I'm looking up. Let's see what. Uh, let's. I'm just picking a random Picasso art prices. I mean, Hunter's made more than at least five times the average American artist. All while being a novice painter. He's a novice, Casey. He's he's not some well-known artist who's been giving classes and having exhibitions for years. No. 500000 Half a million dollars. And for one, he sold 12 of them. <laughs> but we normalize it, Casey. It's so normalized now. The media is not investigating it. The media is not drilling into it. And the Biden administration goes just goes, yeah. Of course he's selling his art for $500,000. Sure, what's wrong with that? Of course. He's Hunter Biden. He's a famous painter. And then we as a collective, by the way, would you like to know the most expensive piece of art to ever sell? Sure. Uh, um, there's a list here. What is this? Let's see. This is artnews.com, which seems pretty legitimate uh, in terms of if you were to pick the most expensive art piece. Uh, Dogs playing poker. Les Femmes, Kev, you're you're in tune with the foreign world Les here. Femmes. Les Femmes de Alger version O. Did I get that right? Uh, uh, I think it's Les Femmes. Mm-hmm. Les Femmes? Yeah. How, now let's go with de Alger. De, de. de Les le Femmes de, <laughs> de Alger. A-L-G-E-R. Wee uh, wee. Oui, oui. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, means the women something. What? Yeah. It's okay. It's L E S. The women of Algiers. What's the rest of it? L E S F E M M E S D apostrophe A L G E R and then in parentheses version O is in is in uh, whatever they call it, talises or whatever they call version it. Version O. It must have been uh, version Oi. Uh, <laughs> this is awful. Le, We're teaching Rob le, French les, live on les, the air. Les Femmes d'Alger v- version Oi, 1955. How much did it sell for? $179.4 Wow. So whoever did that, uh, oh, oh, it's Picasso. It's I think it's Picasso. Yeah, okay. Picasso. Sure. Well, that's no Hunter Biden. You've heard of Picasso before as being a famous painter. Oh, I think it's a series. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's the version O. You've got that. Oh, it's <laughs> so good. By the way, this is way ahead of mm-hmm. the runner-up. Would you like to know the runner-up? <laughs> Give it a shot. Filet a la corbrule fleure. You didn't take 1905. French. You didn't take French in high school. Filet is filet. Is that not a fillet? Filet is a French word. Yeah. F i l l e t t e. 
Sure. Filet? It's filet? Sure. So I got that. What are you talking about? I'm doing bad. I got it right. Sure. Filet a la C-O-R-B-E-I-L-L-E. Je parle français. Est-ce que tu parles longuement, s'il vous plaît? Oh, we speak English in this country, Casey. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, that sold, that was second. It was for $115 million. $115 million. Okay. And number three? <laughs> We're still going? Okay. Nude, Green Leaves and Bust, 1932. There you go. (laughs) 106.5 million. Okay, I'm done. Understood that one. Well, (laughs) Hunter's artwork is going to be featured in this new exhibition in New York later in the year. And uh, this is kind of like pay for play, don't you think? Casey, have you ever heard of Pickleball? I have heard. Have of you pickleball. ever played pickleball? No, but I've seen it, and our boss plays it. Yeah, it's uh, it's a new thing. It's taking over. I was going to say it was for the old people, but you just mentioned our boss plays it, so it's a new <laughs> thing for all the young hipsters. Mm-hmm. And the there was t- they have TV ratings now for this. Yes, they do. And they're and, unbelievable. And tournaments too. And we're going to get into it coming up from ninety three WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. After 10 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC and trending this morning, Indy 11. This is the Indianapolis soccer team competing in the USL championship in the second division of American soccer. They're getting ready to begin their $1 billion development project centered around that 20,000 seat stadium in downtown Indianapolis. So the team announced they were going to begin groundbreaking next month. Once the company currently operating on the site vacates, they're supposed to be out by the end of this month, April. The development is going to include over 600 apartments, 205,000 square feet of office space, over 197,000 square feet for retail space and restaurants, a hotel, public plazas with green space, public parking garages. It's going to be not right across the street, but like a block down from Lucas Oil. And we've got some audio for you this morning. This was from a goal that was scored at their game yesterday. This is Harrison... Robledo, who got the team leveled, they ended up beating the Michigan Stars three to one. Excited crowd, excited fans. Also trending this morning, Lego. They're giving away a free Easter Bunny set. Here's how you can get it. If you spend $70 or more on any purchase at lego.com, you'll receive an Easter basket set for free. This is, of course, while supplies last. It features a little bunny popping out of an Easter basket with flowers. It's valued at $20, consists of 368 pieces, and the bunny set is for those aged nine and up. Did you play with Legos a lot when you were young? 
Not a lot. You know me. I was an intellectual super giant, and the Legos were just of no interest to me. I was reading things, and I was... Uh, <laughs> I thought you didn't like to read books. Right. Good call, Kevin. Magazines, <laughs> Kev. <laughs> Magazines. What do, you th- what do you think about adults who put together the Lego sets and then keep them on a shelf? Look what I've done. Uh, look, I'm not going to judge people's hobbies as long as they're law-abiding and as long as they're, you know, legal in all 50, most of the 50 states. You know, mm-hmm. I think that's probably okay. I mean, I'm, you know, would hate people to judge me for what I do in my spare time. So <laughs> I'm all right with that. Also trending this morning, pickleball. So this pickleball rally, it was John McEnroe. He was amped up after he scored a point. Up and pick them all. It's up, 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 then down. Oh! Johnny Mark with a pickup. Wow! <laughs> that was outrageous. Unbelievable. Look at this. So good. This was an inaugural event. It featured John McEnroe, Andy Roddick, Andre Agassi, and Michael Chang. And it was more popular than 13 baseball matchups, more popular than seven NBA games, more popular than five NFL games. Wait, 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 wait. Time out, time out, time out, time out. Mm -hmm. out. Let's get into pickleball here in a second. Okay. You said it was more popular than how many baseball games? 13. Now, Casey. Yeah. I was told by the people who know everything about everything. Yeah. That the only thing that was keeping baseball down were... Old school, fuddy-duddy traditionalist like me who actually enjoyed the sport of baseball that has been around for 160 years and we were ruining everything because the game was too slow. And if we simply sped the game up, an old traditionalist like me, you know, who actually watched and enjoyed baseball, got out of the way. All of these people who never watched baseball before would be clamoring for the sport. Now, they've sped the game up. They've ruined it for me. They told me to get the hell out of the way. They don't want me a part of the sport anymore, which is fine. I'm going my merry way, and baseball and I are having a fine little divorce, and I'm not watching them, and they're not bothering me. But you're telling me that baseball with its sped up rules and all the young people that were going to be clamoring and going to it and all the people were going to be flocking to watching baseball because the old, tired traditionalists like me were out of the way and the game was 20 minutes faster. It got beat by pickleball? (laughs) It did. It got beat by pickleball. Wow! That's so (laughs) wild and weird, Casey. And and again, you know, I mean, I would, if it were something that was a ratings giant like the National Football League, I would say, well, no kidding. And not to in any way dilute the popularity of pickleball as I understand many many people who have a certain season status are taking it up but wow Mm -hmm. to lose to pickleball Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I told you so that people who don't like baseball aren't going to like baseball because you made it 20 minutes faster but well You rest your case? Yes, the prosecutor rest, Your Honor. Thank you. So an average of 670,000 viewers tuned in. This was a a two-and-a-half-hour competition. It was held at the Seminole Hard Rock Casino and Hotel in Hollywood, Florida. It was the opener of about five different tournaments, and lots of fans tuning in to see this. It was a a doubles match, so I, I don't know the rules of pickleball. I have never played. It looks like tennis on a shorter court. Yes, but... 
but it is very popular. People are in leagues. The mm-hmm. local parks departments are spending exorbitant taxpayer money to build these pickleball courts. The seasoned citizens are lapping it up. And it is apparently now you've got big money going into professional teams. Mm -hmm. And again, I I think all that's wonderful. I just remain amazed that with all the changes that came to baseball with the pitch clock and the you can only you got to face three batters at a time and you can only throw so many times over to first base and the bags now look like Domino's pizza boxes and all the things that those of us who objected were told, shut up, old man, you don't know (laughs) the fact that baseball is still losing to pickleball. Um, that's, uh, that's not good, but you know what is good? Yeah. Your interview that's coming up next. You got a special guest. Yeah. We're going to speak with Jen. Uh, she came in and I, we talked about what's going on with women's sports and, uh, biological males playing in women's sports and just her thoughts on that. No, no, I don't mean to steal your tease here, but we should tell everybody Jen Young mm-hmm. is the former Olympic athlete. Yes. That's why this is important. She is a woman. She's an we elite We have assumed athlete. her gender. Yeah. She is an Olympic athlete, former Olympic athlete. She had called the show last week to lament men in women's sports and she's going to be with us to talk about that. Yeah, she is. And I'd like to point out something that you might notice throughout the conversation is when we first begin talking, she's very confident. She's very sure of herself. She's got direction, knows exactly what she wants to say when we're talking about her involvement in sports. And then throughout the conversation, you can hear a little trepidation. Um, she's very nervous about speaking out. And if you've been paying attention to what happened to Riley Gaines last night, in San Francisco as she was being more or less held hostage for daring to say men's and women's sports should be separate on a college campus. Uh, people, Things became a little violent and scary. And um, Jen was worried about that, bah. about speaking out. And we even, we even addressed that. Why aren't more women coming forward? And I think that she gives us a really good example of some of the fears I, I, that women have. I'm not trying to rush you, but the news department looks like they're ready to murder us if we don't go to the news. Kurt Darling's next on 93 WIBC. Ninety-three WIBC. It is Kendall and Casey, and we have Jen joining us in the studio, former Olympian in rowing. So, Jen, I'm fascinated by this. Tell me a little bit about your history in the sport of rowing, and and first of all, what is rowing for people who don't know? <laughs> well, a lot of people think, oh, canoeing. You're out on the water, and it's all arms. Um, you are on the water. You are in a boat. But I will tell you, it's sixty percent legs. Mm. 30% body to only 10% arms. So it's mostly a leg sport. Um, you're just, you got either one or two oars and you're just gliding that boat over the water, through the water and and uh, yeah, just rowing. How many people are in the boat with you? Uh, it depends. So you can have one person, two person, four person, eight person boats. And which did you compete in? So in the Olympics, I was in a quad which is a four-person boat. Mm-hmm. And yeah. which Olympics were you involved in? 2008, Beijing. Okay. Beijing. Tell yep. us about that experience. Um, that w- I was over in China for one month, and that was honestly long enough. <laughs> um, we were there. We got there two weeks before competing, mm-hmm. and um, just to acclimate, because it was hot, hot, humid. Uh, when we landed, it was very a lot of smog. It was... Um, it was something else. But we were there for two weeks. 
um, did a lot of training, just getting ready, um, you know, just getting ready for racing. We raced the first week of the Olympics, um, and then we were done the second week. So that second week, it was just going around, seeing other events, going to other venues, sightseeing. Um, you know, there there is some uh, parties going on in the evening, mm-hmm. so attending those. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just having a good time. And how did you guys do in the Olympics? Uh, the boat I was in came in fifth place. Oh! In fifth. Yeah. So you yeah. did really well. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, you, when you think globally, <laughs> oh, fifth, yeah. that's yeah. pretty darn good. Yeah. And really, for the Olympics, a lot of people don't know this, but you have to qualify the year before. Because mm-hmm. so, there's only eight countries that can enter, at least for the event that I was in. Um, eight countries that can enter at the Olympics. So you had to qualify your country that year before. Okay. So not everybody makes it in. And you're still involved in the sport today. Yeah, I try to um, I try to coach when I can. Uh, I continue to row when I can. Um, just definitely not at that elite training level. Yeah. yeah. It, it takes a lot of time and a lot of effort when you're competing at that level. Yeah. Hoosier and former Olympian Jen is joining us. And Jen... You recently received an email from a teammate. Tell us what the message was. Basically, it was it was from a former teammate of mine um, asking for my support in um, U.S. rowing, put out a gender equity policy, um, asking for my support in supporting trans athletes in rowing, specifically juniors and masters, mm-hmm. not at the collegiate level or the Olympic level, um, but juniors, which is middle school, high school, and then masters, adult So this former teammate wanted your support within the rowing organization of having juniors and masters, transgenders in the sport. Mm -hmm. And you're talking about middle school and high schoolers. Yes. Okay. Um, And how did you feel about that? It irritated me um, just because I know how how hard I had to work and train to compete at the level that I was that I was at and even even now if I go out and race I I would be racing as a masters if I race against a biological man I I just it's science and it's biology they're just naturally stronger Mm -hmm. Um, I am more efficient on the water than than most people because I know how to set the boat and how to row so I may be able to win that way possibly but just strength wise um, they're just going to be stronger than me and Mm -hmm. it's going to be hard to compete even I mean I'm pretty fit for you know for my age and for a woman and it's going to be hard to compete against that and it just um it just kind of irritated me. I just, you know, I, I would like to see the the gender separate. A man's, you know, woman's event, man's event, and maybe a trans event. Because so, with women's rowing, women only began competing at the Olympic level in 1976. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty recent. Yeah, very recent. And they had to fight for that because of Title Nine. They had to fight mm-hmm. for that. There were, you know, and. And then to just allow, you know, a biological, a biological man, man yeah, enter the sport. Yeah, it just kind of takes away from 
what the, those women fought for. I understand exactly what you're talking about. I have a daughter who played soccer from five years old all the way through graduation of high school. But she also wanted to play lacrosse, and there was not a girls lacrosse team available. And she wasn't, she wasn't allowed to play on the boys' team. So as the good, loving mother that I am, I went out and created the girls' club which involves forming a 501c3, working with the National Lacrosse Association, getting bank accounts, getting insurance, hiring coaches, getting practice fields, striping the field, finding other schools to compete with, all of this stuff, because she was not allowed to play on the boys' team. And now what is happening with women's sports, if there's a biological male who's transgender who wants to play on the women's team, that's okay. Mm-hmm. After all of the work that we did to to establish a women's team that's not fair Mm -hmm. and it's taking away from the efforts of all of the women who came before yeah i think about also high high schoolers so there's a lot of scholarship opportunity for women to row in college Mm -hmm. and if you have a biological man who you know transition trans woman who is competing against some of those high school women that may they may not get that scholarship opportunity to go row in college you know, and that they're, they're going to these women are going to work their butt off. And then you may have a biological man that comes in at the last minute and, you know, to, to transitions and either beats them on the rowing machine, beats them on the water. And that's just going to take away from, you know, some of these women who are training and want to row in college and race in college, maybe race at that Olympic level. What do you think the NCAA should do about this, at least on the collegiate level? Do you have any thoughts on that? I, I think there should be another division for them to compete in and just keep women competing against themselves, men competing against themselves, and another. It's Kendallin Casey on 93 WIBC and Hoosier and former Olympian Jen is joining us. And Rob and I have had a lot of conversations about Dylan Mulvaney and how these major corporations are throwing so much money at him. Bud Light, Kate Spade, Nike, Crest, Instacart, the list is growing every day. Why do you think that is? I think they're trying to please a certain group of people who create a lot of noise. I think there are people who just complain and whine and just create a lot of noise, a lot of pushback uh, about this. And, you know, I think they're just pleasing to that group and that crowd just to keep people quiet or, you know, I just I think about violence and riots. Like, who knows what, what could happen if, you know. If they didn't keep them happy or please them. Mm -hmm. We hear from men who say, where are the women on this? Aren't Mm -hmm. you mad? What are you going to do about it? How do you feel as an athlete, as an elite athlete? How does something like this make you feel? I think, I mean, I'm just going to continue doing what I'm doing, unfortunately. I mean, if I was to compete against a trans woman, personally, I, I wouldn't acknowledge it. I'm just going to, you know, continue doing what I'm doing, try to be as fit as I can, as fast as I can, you know, no matter what race I'm doing. Um, and if that person ends up beating me, okay, but I don't Is it like, okay? I, I don't think it's okay. <laughs> no, it's not. But but, it, but that's the thing. Yeah, We're just like, spo- okay. Like, you know. Yeah. And it's like, I, I'm not quite, I mean, yeah, you could, I guess, ma- get mad and angry about it. But then... I don't know. I just I hate confrontation and I don't want people to I don't want there to be any violence, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think I I just honestly I get 
worried about the other side or, you know, being bullied and just mm-hmm. your life ruined. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's like if I was to stand up or, you know, make a big ruckus about something or fuss about something, I'd, I'd be afraid of like for me and my family and right. getting ruined. And, right. you know, and you don't what, obviously you don't want yeah, that to happen. That's what I get worried about. So at this point, we're expressing how we feel about this. It's not fair. It's not just. Until there's some kind of, yeah, until they, there is a change. I mean, I hope that there will be, or people will see how unfair this is. But until then, just keep doing what I'm doing. And like you said, yeah, communicate and just have the, have this conversation and let people know. Jen, I appreciate you coming in today. Yeah, no, thank you so much. It was a good talk. Yes, thank you. Thank you. It's Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Leave me in the middle of the day. I'm so disappointed. Bring me southern kisses. So disappointed. In what? I've been planning this all week. Meet me in the Kev's got the uh, Steve Forbear Romeo's tune playing. Mm-hmm. One of the great songs of the early 1980s. Total one-hit wonder. And this was totally for Hammer. Oh. Because Hammer was the promotions director at the casino when this guy played one time. Mm -hmm. And there were like three people who showed up. (laughs) And I was just going to have Kev bust out with that just to see his reaction. I'm sure he'll give us his reaction when he runs in here. (laughs) He sent us sent us a note saying he was just running a few minutes late. He's probably in the elevator right now. I had been planning <laughs> that all week, and I was going to hit him with that on a Friday, and uh-huh. I just thought the reaction was going to be great. I, that's one of my ten favorite songs of all time. I, it so, is a decent song. I'm not really much of a casino guy, but yeah. doesn't that kind of seem like uh, like a weird kind of song to play at a, a casino? Well, I think that's why Hammer was very perplexed that they booked him at the casino. It's so reserved. It's so, like, poppy. Yeah. Like, it's kind of poppy. It's not, Je- it's not Jesse's girl. Right. <laughs> and did he get in trouble for the low turnout, the three people who well, showed up? Well, this is the question. <laughs> you if, didn't do your job promoting this. If you... Okay, so this Romeo's tune was 79. So, I mean, again, it's not like it's a... It's not your... Lots of people have really recognizable songs, but they have other ones. So what, what's the guy who's playing Carb Day this year? Uh, Summer 69, Brian, Brian Adams. Adams. But he also has, you know, Cuts Like a Knife. Mm-hmm. There's a, a bevy of other songs you'll be able to sing along with. This guy, it's it's one song. <laughs> it's like Bertie Higgins, Key mm-hmm. Largo. Yeah. What does he do? Does he play Key Largo on a loop the For entire 40 concert? Minutes? Yeah. Rupert Holmes. At least he has one other song, the Answering Machine song. Mm-hmm. This guy, it's one song. That's it. Just one. Who in the history of ever was like, what are we doing this Friday? We're going to the Steve Forbear concert. <laughs> Did uh, Henry Lee Summer have any other hits? Heck yes! Uh, yeah, I feel like he would be a good he had, uh, guy. He, Oh, hey, we were just talking about you. I don't know if you heard this conversation. Uh, oh, he's waltzing in. He's ready to go. <laughs> Here, you need some headphones? I'm good. Okay. Did you hear the conversation? I did not. Oh, we're talking about Steve Forbear. <laughs> <laughs> I had planned all week. Ticket selling machine. <laughs> I had planned all week. I was thinking, I'm going to have Kev on your intro on Friday hit Steve Forbear Romeo's tune and just I wanted to see your reaction because I was telling our audience how you were the promotions director at the casino 
and he came and played, and three people showed up. Right. Now, mind you, this was not my call. Uh, <laughs> we were just talking. This was uh, from my boss at the time, uh, the great Bobby Slotman, who now works at the Tropicana in Vegas. Wait, wait, wait. His name, he worked at a casino, and his name was Slotman? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's just too good to be true. That's what we called him. Oh. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he thought, man, this is really going to pack him in because they had closed like the sports bar at the casino in Shelbyville, and they turned it into this like little venue because uh-huh. they wanted it to feel like a Vegas sure. casino where there's shows and there's acts and there's all types types of things. So some of the acts they booked in there were Mini Kiss, <laughs> the uh, little person version Mini of Kiss. Kiss. <laughs> yes, have you seen them? No. It's an all little tribute person band? tribute band to okay. Kiss, and they actually play Kiss music. They do. And uh, before we were on the radio, the podcast Hammer and Nigel introduced Mini Kiss. No. <laughs> were, were they any good? No, no. No, 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 no. But tickets sold out. Uh-huh. Like, no. The joint, it wasn't a big venue, but the joint was packed. So picture it like the, like if you walk into like a Buffalo Wild Wings, uh-huh. that's the size oh, of the okay. venue here. So maybe they would have held 200 people. Right. Yeah. Right. But Steve Forbear, <laughs> this dude, brought in like four. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get in trouble for that? Did they blame you for your bad promoting skills? No, no, because when this was announced, like I, I'm pretty well versed on music, yeah. right? I'm like a a ringer when it comes to trivia mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. I looked at Bobby Slotman and I said, who the hell is Stephen Forbear? And he said, oh, Romeo's tune. Like, that was supposed to be like the, oh, my bad. Oh, right, yes. And uh, we but, knew this was a bad idea. And I was like the DJ at the center bar. And I was also like one of the hosts. My, my friend CJ yeah. was also one of the hosts. And we're passing out free tickets. And people were looking at us like I'm passing out campaign flyers. <laughs> no, I don't want this. People look at you and go, who the hell is Stephen Forbear? Be- because that is probably one of my 10 favorite songs. And there's no way I would go to a Steve Forbear concert. Because what else would you listen to? So remember at the end of that WKRP episode <laughs> where the big guy. Says, as God is my witness, I thought turkeys could fly after the disastrous turkey drop from WKRP. Yeah. Bobby Slotman, I thought people would like Steve Forbear. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had planned that all week, and I know you're running a little behind. I told Kev, just roll with it. We'll still get a get a good segment out of it. Hammer, I have some terrible news that I have to report to you. Oh, no. Well, and this is very surprising, uh, because you would think if someone is 350 to 1, they would be <laughs> right there near the top of the leaderboard. But after I, well... We made it to 16, and we were doing pretty good, and then Moronk went Merplunk, and that was about the end of uh, Adrian Moronk at the Masters. He had one of those tin cup holes, right, where he kept saying, ball, snapping his fingers, ball. He finished one over, which is not to beat Tiger Woods, but he beat Tiger Woods with one leg. I mean, does that really count? Tiger Woods now is not Tiger Woods even 10 years right. ago. Like, prime Tiger was, what, 20 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2000, 2000 2001 was the, was the Tiger Slam. That's the, that's the greatest accomplishment in the history of sports. And maybe we can get into this for a second. I, I think holding all four majors at the same time and beating the brakes off dudes like Phil Mickelson, I don't know what you would say was, is greater. So, all right, with today's media, and this is an interesting discussion— would it be more difficult to do that Grand Slam that Tiger had, or let's say 
hit in 56 straight games in Major League oh, Baseball. Wow. The Joe DiMaggio 56-game hitting streak because now, like anybody that gets to 11, here comes the media, here comes the press, right? (laughs) If you get to 20, oh, look out, like 56 in a row. Like imagine the press and the pressure if you get to like – 45. Yeah, boy, that's such a good question because golf, there are so many great golfers now. When Tiger was playing, there were probably 10 guys who could win any week and 80% chance it's Tiger. Now there's 30 guys who could win this golf tournament and any major that goes out there, but 56 games in a row. And there's the relief pitchers now. Right. Specialized pitchers designed to get you out. Yeah. There's, you know, side armors, there's curveball guys, breaking ball guys, dudes that bust you in and out. Like the analytics are there just yeah. to get you out. Yeah. And, and it, let's say you get, uh, you, you fly out to deep center field your first at bat. If you walk the next three times, streaks over. Right. And keep in mind, even though they've banned the shift now, there's still analytics of, all right, let's see. Imagine Joe DiMaggio played today. The numbers show DiMaggio always goes pull side. Yeah. You know, so we're going to have our outfielders play a little bit more toward the line, and maybe you lose that bloop single that would have kept the streak alive. I'm going to go with 56 games. I think 56 is harder. Mm -hmm. I think some guy could just play out of his ass for an entire year. Like if a John Rahm, who's Casey's man, bet a sizable amount of money on to win the Masters. The house has money on him. That that would have been my pick if I wasn't picking just to insult myself and have good radio (laughs) bits. I would have gone with with Rahm. Um, Yeah, like a Rahm or or a Scotty Scheffler could for a single year, four times in the year. Like there was a period where David Duvall was just a machine. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's got to be 56 games in a row. The press, the pressure, the analytics, the relievers that are designed just to get you out. I'm with you 100% 100 on that. You have totally made up my mind that 56 games in a row would be far harder. Can I just say, that segment you had with uh, Micah Beckwith earlier was awesome. Oh, thank you. I loved hearing that. You don't hear a lot of that in the media today. Like, it's so, you know, out of the box to talk about faith yeah. and religion. And I thought that was really good. Yeah. So if you missed it earlier, no, it's up on the podcast. We had Micah and then the lead pastor at Life Church, Nathan Peter. Now, and we talk about Good Friday yeah. because you hear people all the time go, Happy Good Friday. Have a great Good Friday. People get Good Friday off. And while Easter is celebrated and Easter is revered, and that's a, you know, people get whatever around that, which they should, people don't talk about Good Friday, which is equally as important and i just thought look good we friday ha- was the sacrifice yeah we have this opportunity we have these airwaves let's use it for something really important and it's always interesting to me the people that get upset like well you shouldn't say happy good friday and we hear the same thing with memorial day too mm-hmm. don't tell somebody happy memorial day i think if your intent is there if you're wishing somebody well like nobody wants to see jesus die on a cross right you're not wishing hey happy die on a cross day but the intent of wishing somebody well is there and i think that's okay yeah and that getting a compliment from you is rare so i feel like it must have been really so good so you're thinking it's more of a day that you honor it how well, how would you express good friday I would say happy Good Friday, but I'm not one of these people that's like the grammar police. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you shouldn't say this because it really means that. <laughs> Sit down, shut up, and spin on a chair and go satisfy yourself. Have a good Good Friday. I have a baseball question for yes, you. Yes, sir. Because you're a you're a baseball nut. You're a Cubs nut. You know, I'm out on the baseball this year because they've so ruined the it Cubs. for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds like it's a traditional Cubs season, and I know you're very critical of that because like. the... Um, 
the owners of the Cubs have a gajillion dollars and spend none of it on the baseball team, which Correct. is crazy. They got tons of money to blow on politics and ridiculous things around Wrigley. Oh, yes. The uh, statues and uh, buildings and businesses and nothing for really the actual baseball team, though. But uh, anyway, you know, they changed all the rules and they told people like me to go away. You traditionalists have ruined the game and we need to the key is to do all these rule changes and speed the game up. Are you getting markedly more enjoyment out of watching the Cubs lose this year because they're losing 20 minutes faster? I've made a lot of money betting against the Cubs this year. <laughs> so, so far, life is good. Like, it's I'm not okay going to lie. I've been a lean, mean baseball betting machine this year. But we just did a story where pickleball, a pickleball event mm-hmm. with John McEnroe, beat however many baseball games, seven baseball games or something like yep. that. They're losing to no, pickle. 13 Oh, 13 base- baseball games. Yeah. We're told, well, hey, it's the old fuddy-duddy traditionalists like you that have ruined the game. And if we just make it 20 minutes faster, everyone will watch. It's losing to pickleball. Yeah, but keep in mind, like, the XFL had a really big debut as well. Like, let's see the sustainability Mm -hmm. of pickleball. Like, if this is week five, six of the pickleball season, it's going to be like the XFL at first. Oh, my God, look at that. (laughs) Crazy rules. You got chicks in hot tubs. By week six, you're like, this is bad football. Yeah. Are you... uh are you liking the game, though? Are you liking it because it's faster? I don't like the rules changes, but I'm a baseball guy. So you're willing I to... Like, I, I like watching the strategy of baseball. But isn't are they taking out the strategy by saying you got to, you know, like... Speed it up? Well, no, because I'm thinking as, you know, like watching the game, because my son's a pitcher. I'm yeah. like, all right, what do you throw in this situation? I wonder what he's going to throw right here. And then just playing that that's kind of part game. Part of it, though, game. is thinking it through, right? And if you got to do it in 20 seconds, that's not a lot of thought that goes into that. Yeah, I, I think it's ridiculous, but... I'll watch baseball because I'm a baseball fan. Now, if they completely change the rules and make it like basketball, like the movie <laughs> that the South Park guys did. Well, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know who I blame for all of this? Phil Sanchez. Oh, He yes. loves this stuff. Yes. He, he is a total cheerleader for all of these rule changes, and he thinks it's the greatest thing in the history of ever. And I don't know why I have to suffer so that Phil Sanchez can be happy. If it were up to Phil Sanchez, the guys would be batting with aluminum bats <laughs> that would be the size of, like, Fred Flintstone's club and the Flintstones, and the ball would be a beach ball, and it would be called football. Oh, what's going on this afternoon? Representative Jim Banks will join us. Reverend Charles Harrison will join us. Big Nige's off today. Shocker. So Guy Ralph in for him. Thanks, Amber. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC.